We have a special guest with us today. We have Philip and Renee Murdoch from Brazil. And uh, they have a church in Rio. They have not only a church, but they are a church planting church, planting churches uh, in Rio and in the uh, rural parts of their country. And it has been our privilege, our honor to partner with you for years. We prayed for you, Renee. And we're just excited, honored to have you here, and we look forward to the word of the Lord through you. So, bless you. Amen. What a wonderful time. Thank you so much. I wanted to, to invite my wife, Renee, uh, who's the prophet in the family, to, to, to uh, greet you guys. There's something, you know, it's very scary giving a microphone to a woman, it right? Is. I mean, who, don't very. do that. Do that with very, being very careful. I just want to, <laughs> I just want to thank you guys. I guess, I think it was 2016 I was here and um, I was telling you about my testimony and God healed me 110%. Yeah. And I really, I really do mean 110 and we have, um, uh, uh, neurologists and, and psychiatrists and everybody saying they've, they've said we've never seen this before you are better than you were before yeah. this happened and so when I say 110 I really mean 110 and so I wanted to thank you guys also you guys are one of our um, biggest supporters yeah. since we've been in Rio and thank you so much church yeah. and I just want to pass to you that God has seen that. Yeah. And he doesn't forget. Right. And and I really believe that you're going to have a day of harvest. Yeah. And that um, everything that you have planted, you will see in your own church. Yeah. And I just want to uh, prophesy that over you. Just grow and, and get ready for your harvest. Yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. Love you guys. Amen. Amen. What, what a blessing it is to be here. 23 years, you guys have supported us. It's, it's a long time. It's, it's uh, right, right from when we first got to Brazil. Uh, Gathering Place has, has been a supporter and really, like Renee said, one of the, the largest supporters we've had. And I really, truly want to say thank you. Thank you uh, from the bottom of our heart. And I wanted to uh, talk to you guys a little bit today, but also give you a quick... Um, uh, report of what that investment has has uh, created, what that investment has done in Brazil. We started in Brazil in 2000. Uh, of course, Renee and I know uh, John and Hope from from Louisiana. We know uh, Brenda very well, also from from Louisiana. And uh, when we went down there, we went to start a church, uh, and uh, the church since the beginning was a very apostolic church. I think a lot like your church, very apostolic, always focused on on reaching, always focused on, on planting other churches. In fact, we, uh, through partnerships, planted over 650 churches across Brazil, in, mostly in the interiors of Brazil. Really, really it's great. Those churches today, 97% of those churches are still alive, and we continue to plant churches. It's re really great. Yeah, amen. Uh, so we were a very, very apostolic church. But uh, then something changed in our church about five years ago. Something changed in our church. Our church was very apostolic, but it was not very evangelistic. 
It was very apostolic, and we constantly sent people out, constantly planted churches across Brazil, constantly networked with other pastors, constantly trained pastors, did, did uh, uh, seminars across Brazil, uh, church planting seminars, did, did lots of great, great things. But our church, for about 15 years, we could never break the 200 barrier. We, we you know, we get 199, and so we, ne- we, we couldn't, we, we never were able to significantly grow. And that was, you know, I was praying about it, but I knew that we were, we were significant in Brazil. We were doing a lot of great things in Brazil. But in our church, we never, we, we seemed like we had uh, apostolic. to uh, grow significantly. What, and, and, you know, people ask, what, what happens? Well, during that, those five years, we, the last five years, we started a campus in, a, in a, another campus. Uh, we started a dream center. We started uh, a, a publishing company that uh, reaches out and, um, um, and uh, publishes lots of books across, across Brazil. Uh, we started uh, a school that school then grew, and then we started another school. That school grew, and then we started another two schools, and that, those two schools grew. And then, today we have eight schools, about 3,000 students, K through 12, uh, in the Rio area. We started, um, uh, we, we started uh, the Dream Center that today reaches uh, about 500 people a week uh, through um, uh, train, vocational training, through... Uh, um, uh, Kids programs, a soccer school, uh, ballet school, uh, all, all kinds of things. So I wanted to show you a quick video of what has happened very briefly in, in that side of our ministry, the, the Dream Center, the, the ministering to the poor. And then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about an evangelistic, uh, uh, an evangelistic anointing, and I want to talk to you a few other things. So if we can watch that video very quickly. And, and after we started the Dream Center, we started gathering a whole bunch of leaders started coming to, to our church, people that 
they, they didn't know Jesus yet, but they, they were natural leaders and they wanted to start helping us help other people. And, and what happened was totally unexpected. I thought that we would reach poor people and we'd win, win some of these, these needy people, but the opposite happened. What happened was we opened a dental clinic and a bunch of dentists started coming to our church because they wanted to serve. We opened a medical clinic. A bunch of doctors started coming to our church because they wanted to serve. And they, they, they started serving before they began being a part of our church, and, and, they, and then they said, wow, this, isn't this great? Uh, uh, because it created an avenue for them to connect with the purpose God had in their heart. Well, it's re- really interesting. You know, of course, we are born in sin, and we're born with need, but one of the things that God created us in our image, in his image, and when he created us in his image, he created deep down inside a desire to do what he called us to do. A desire to help other people. And in some people, it's very, very repressed. It's very repressed. But, uh, but when, you, when people connect with God, what God has called them to do, everything changes. So that we started winning doctors. We started winning lawyers. We have a legal uh, counseling service. We started winning psychologists, lots of dentists. We started winning soccer players. I mean, f- fancy soccer players from the big, big top clubs in, in Brazil. Uh, everything changed, and so our church grew from not really getting past 200 in the last five years from around 200 to 4,500 people. Isn't that great? And so, and, and so it, it just, all of a sudden, we, ha- we were doing great things across Brazil. We were doing great things. We didn't really change very much what we, what we were doing, but then all of a sudden, a tidal wave of evangelism came. And, and, and it was a, it's really, really great to see that part happening in our church. So I want to pray uh, today for, for you guys that a tidal wave, an evangelistic anointing would come on your church also. That you guys can reach this whole valley, this whole, this whole area in San Diego. So really want to pray for that. Uh, at the end of the service. So maybe some of you guys, some of you, are going to be the new evangelists. No one said amen. Amen. (laughs) So I really believe that God is going to use some of you guys to spark a new wave of evangelism, a new wave of of reaching people uh, here in this church. So how many of you believe that? Let me see. I believe that. So uh, today I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that change that happened in our church. And so sometimes change happens through difficult times. Anyone been through difficult times here? Uh, sometimes change happens through difficult moments. You know the story that, that uh, Renee has gone through. You've seen your pastors go through uh, difficult times. And I'm sure some, many of you have been through difficult times as well. And I, I just wanted to open up with a quick verse here in Ephesians 15, Ephesians 5 verse 15. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Why? Why do we have to be careful? Uh, because we need to make the most of every opportunity. And why is that? Because the days are evil. When you go through evil days, there is great opportunity. When you go through difficult times in your life, there are great opportunities that can happen if you go through those difficult times Correctly. Now, everybody goes through difficult times. Everyone's gone through difficult times. Uh, your pastors are going through difficult times. Renee, uh, you know, was attacked on the beach. She was hit in the head, had to go through six uh, uh, brain surgeries. We were, uh, we were, uh, inv- our house was invaded by, 
by um, armed men, uh, and they, they said they were going to uh, kidnap my kid. They said they were going to rape my wife. And, uh, and, but, even, but thank God that didn't happen. So, and, uh, but, but difficult times are a part of life. I want to show you a quick video here uh, about, about the testimony that Renee went through. Then I'm going to uh, share with you uh, a little bit about this. Go ahead, please. americana que mora no Brasil há 12 anos foi agredida na orla da Barra da Tijuca, na zona oeste da cidade. Veio um cracudo com uma barra de ferro e acertou a cabeça dela. O estado de saúde dela é grave. Ela está internada em coma no hospital Copa Nova. René Murdoch teve traumatismo craniano e já passou por uma cirurgia. Ela deve passar por mais duas cirurgias. A noite foi de orações pela recuperação de René Murdoch. Quando eu vi ela, é... Foi um choque, é, não, não há dúvida. Ela estava ela é, quase irreconhecível. As imagens foram gravadas logo após a agressão. And, and the medical prognosis is, is not good. Uh, however, we believe that for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, uh, all reports are always good. Hello, everybody. Uh, we're here right by Renee. This is day, the second report. Today is the 28th of October. And we're here with Renee by her bedside. Uh, this is two days after the attack. Reports from the doctors, obviously, in this phase are conflicting. Some, some are positive, some are not so positive. Uh, but we know that even though we listen to, to, to the truth that the doctors say, there is one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, his words uh, and his truth is above any truth we can hear here. Up to what we see in the spiritual. There's a great verse I've been meditating on in Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4 verse 17, uh, where God gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. And this is what we're praying for. We know the reality now, but we know the supernatural reality. And we're bringing the reality up. We're bringing Renee from this state to the state that she is in that photograph. Okay. And this is what's going to happen. And we're going to see it in faith. They will have good news. I'm praying that tomorrow she would open her eyes and understand uh, her, her surroundings. So if you could pray with me for those. Today was the best day yet. It's the sixth day that Renee has been here. She has uh, uh, opened her eyes today. Uh, she uh, sat up with a physical therapist and she even stood up this morning. She has shown signs of, of understanding what's going on. It was another, another great day, but uh, still a long way to go. 
And so it's still a lot of prayer that we need. But yesterday, we prayed that we would have communication. Today, we have communication. The day before yesterday, we prayed that she would open her eyes. And she opened her eyes. So every step of the way, we're able to get another miracle. Last night, we prayed that Renee would... Uh, communicate more. Well, today she's communicated a lot more. We have a great, very bold prayer request that we would be able to remove this tube that is her her food, uh, her feeding tube. And so pray with us. That's a pretty bold request. Uh, the doctors are, are thinking that they're not going to be able to do it. But let's pray that that would be able. We'd be able to do. Last night we prayed. I don't know if you remember that she would be able to. Uh, remove her feeding tube, and uh, and really, the doctor said no. But in the middle of the night, she removed her own feeding tube. We're going to pray uh, this this video. We're going to pray that tomorrow she will be able to walk around the room, and we're going to pray that today she's advanced more. She's walked to the bathroom. She is uh, took a, a shower today. She brushed her own teeth, holding wow. holding the, the toothbrush, which was really fantastic. Today she walked uh, down the hallway for the first time, did it twice, in the morning and in the afternoon. Uh, all of a sudden, this morning, the doctor said that Renee was well enough to leave the semi-intensive room and go and be transferred to a regular room. Thank you for praying for me. Yeah, difficult days, but uh, God uh, brings us through difficult moments. Isn't that great? God's faithfulness. In every, and, and difficult, evil days uh, create great opportunity. You know, that, that, that happened, and uh, th- those news reports were across Brazil, not just the local channel, on national TV. And pe- all across Brazil, people saw a miracle happen, and, and everybody was... You know, uh, praying in some form for that miracle. Everybody, it was, it was kind of like a national interest story. Renee being American, it was right before the World Cup in Brazil. And, and God uses difficult times for his glory all the time if we go through those difficult times correctly. Now, all of us have had difficult moments in our lives. We've had difficult moments with our kids. Uh, we, I've, I mentioned we were robbed once at gunpoint. Uh, we, our grandson was born with a syndrome called Noonan syndrome, which is a serious uh, genetic condition. Uh, all of us have difficult things we go through. But how we go through those difficult moments is really, really important. How we, we get through those difficult moments is really important. And I want to share with you a couple of concepts. They're basically two types of people. Two types of people. One type of person is the why kind of person. The other kind of person is the how kind of person. We've always, you know, I've read books that begin with the why. But today I want to kind of change uh, uh, your focus a little bit. Uh, because why, the why kind of people would say, you know, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to Renee? Why was she attacked? Why were we robbed at gunpoint? Why was our car stolen? Why uh, was my grand, our grandson born with Newton syndrome? Why did this happen? That is one kind of person. And that, that is interesting because why always puts you in the past. 
why always focuses you on what, what and so if you would ask me why this happened to Renee why did this happen I don't know I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why and uh, but I do know that if I focus on the why I will stay in the past you know one of the things that happened uh, uh, with with Renee during the first first couple of days lots of because it was on TV lots of pastors called me up one pastor called me up and he said uh, I know why this happened and I said you do he said yeah I know why this happened I said really wow and he said uh, it happened because God told Renee not to go walking that day but she disobeyed and, and so some oh, <laughs> so people feel people feel like they need to explain everything but sometimes you know it's it's beyond our pay grade to to know it's sometimes it's it's we we cannot fully understand but what we can know is that God can use all things for his good God we, we can't we can't might not un understand but we can decide to believe that he can use all things for his good because we love him and because we're called according to his purpose now the other kind of person is the how kind of person the how kind of person focuses on the future focuses on what we are going to uh, what we're going to get uh, how we're going to get through and instead of why did this happen to me uh, the why kind of person says how am I going to get through this uh, when you focus on the how you, you draw near to God because you say, I, I can't get through this. I, I need God. So the how brings you to God and the why distances you from God. There's a, there's a great, uh, uh, interesting parable, the parable of the talents. I, my reading of the parable of the talents, uh, you see the how people and the, and the why people. You see, you see uh, the, the first two uh, servants in the parable of the talents, the ones that immediately went out and multiplied, they uh, immediately were focused on the how. They were given the task, they received what they felt the master was telling them to do, and immediately they said, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get through this? Now the third servant, he was a why kind of guy. Because if you, know, if you read the passage, you'll see that he was the only servant that said he knew the master. He was the only servant that dived in. He said, I knew, look, look he, he had to explain why that was happening. And so he, he said, I knew you were severe. I knew you were a hard man. I knew uh, uh, that you reaped where you did not sow. Uh, I, I, he was constantly uh, trying to figure out God's motivations, constantly trying to figure out why this happened constantly and it focused him on the past in fact he didn't end up multiplying anything at all because he was focused on the why why did this happen why is this happening why focusing on on the past the other two servants focused on the future i know i've i've, I've got i'm called of god uh, they focused on what they could answer even though they couldn't do it themselves but they it drew them closer to god and and super interesting the results of that of that parable that who advanced was not the why but was the how was was the how of people there's another uh, interesting parable the parable of the prodigal son the parable parable of the prodigal son the the oldest son always focused on the past the the why he 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 said you know why why did this happen to me all these years i worked for you like a slave and you never gave me 
a, even a small goat to celebrate with my friends. This son of yours squandered everything on prostitutes. Everything is focused on the past. He constantly focused on the past. Now, the youngest son, he focused on the future. He constantly focused on the future. I will arise. I will go to my father's house. I will say to him, I will repent. I will make this right. So if you, fo- if you are a why kind of person, sometimes that distances you from God. If you're a how kind of person, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? That brings you closer to God, brings you closer to God. We all go through difficult times, all of us. All go, we all got to have something difficult in our life. And God can use that to draw you closer if you know how to go through it, if you, if you focus on the future. In fact, faith is interesting. Faith never focuses on the past. Faith, faith always focuses on the future. Uh, faith that doesn't, you know, I have faith that I would have been like this. No. Faith is I have faith I will, this will happen. Faith always, fo- the definition of faith is putting your focus on the future, not on the past. And, and so uh, I wanted to, to kind of share with you a little bit about how to go through unexpected crises in your life. How do you get through difficult times in your life? How do you, how do you manage to go through uh, these things? And, and really, there's a, there's a great verse uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Uh, so interesting, the greatest is love, uh, but what is the second greatest? Hope or faith, you know, it, it, it's not clear which is second. But the first is love, but faith is either second uh, or third, and hope is either second or third. And I really think that that verse draws us uh, to the way we can get through difficult times. Really, with those three, with those three words. The first word, uh, faith. Uh, what, what is that faith? You know, faith, uh, there's, there's uh, in Hebrews 11:1 one, definition of faith. Look what it says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for or the certainty of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Super interesting, this verse, to me, because uh, faith uh, is a subset of hope. Faith, uh, faith is, is the certainty of what? Of the, all those things that are hoped for. Faith is the subset of of that, in other words, uh, fa- uh, hope is the raw material for faith. Uh, you, if sometimes you you can say, you know, when when Renee was was in on that bed, uh, I'm a very optimistic person. I really am. And so I, I when they doc when the uh, when the police called me to go to the hospital, I didn't believe that it was a real problem. You know, I figured you know Brazilians are a little bit exaggerated and emotional. Maybe she scraped a knee, and I, I even went and took a shower, and before even going, you know, because and and uh, when I got there, uh, the doctor uh, looked at me, and, and the doctor said, "Hey, uh, uh, I, I didn't even think it was her. I thought, yeah, it's, it might be someone else." Uh, then, then the police said, well, uh, she owns a red car. I said, yeah. And she's walking on the beach. Yeah. And the car is licensed to Light to the Nation's Church. I said, oh, it's pretty, pretty specific. Yeah. And, but even so, I was, I was optimistic. When I got to the, 
to the uh, hospital. The doctor showed me her wedding ring. I said, yeah, I bought her that. And uh, all her clothes had been cut off. She was in her second surgery. Her, her whole head uh, skull had been removed on one side and the other side also removed. And so I realized it was a serious thing. And, and I asked the doctor, so uh, do you think we can go home tomorrow? And, uh, <laughs> and they said, uh, well, F- Philip, you hadn't understood the situation. And I said, well, explain it to me. And they, they said, well, see, see the bed over there she's laying on? I said, yeah. She said, see that doctor and the three nurses? And I said, I said yeah. And they said, they're doing everything they can so that she'll still be alive tomorrow morning. So just back off a little bit. I said, so you think we'll be able to go home uh, the, the day after tomorrow? And, uh, and they said, they said, well, uh, n- you know, uh, no. Uh, and then they showed me the prognosis of her. They, they had a, uh, there's a uh, brain uh, uh, trauma, a brain trauma program that, that has 10,000 hospitals that participate in it. They put in all the variables, uh, one pupil dilating, one not, uh, uh, obliteration of the third ventricle, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, sub, sub bilateral hematomas in the temporal on both sides of the temporal lobes, uh, all kinds of things that I really don't know what they were, but didn't sound too good. And uh, and he said this means that she'll probably die. Sixty sixty three percent chance that she'll die within two weeks. Ninety two percent chance of an unfavorable outcome. And I said, what is an unfavorable outcome? They said, well. It's uh, severe, being required to have home health care for the rest of your life. And I said, uh, so I've got eight, 8% chance of, uh, so, you know, so it's 8%. That's, that's not bad. And, and they said, uh, but the doctor said, no, no, you really don't have 8% because it's, uh, it's 92% chance of an unfavorable outcome. The other 8% would be mostly a medium outcome. I said, well, what's a medium outcome? They said, well, you know, not for sure she's not going to speak and, and probably not recognize you because the two sides of the temporal lobes are where memory is kept, and both of those have been completely damaged. And so uh, she may uh, walk with a walker, not, not speaking, and so she won't, under, won't have the memory to remember what was asked to her, and she won't have the memory to remember the words to respond, so her language will be uh, affected. Uh, and I said, well, so that's 8%. So what, he's, what, how many of those 8% would be that? And he said, six. I said, so, so 92 plus six, 98. So I've got 2% chance. He said, well, he said, not really, because the other, the, almost entirely of the, I'm, I said I'm optimistic, right? The, almost entirely the other 2% would be, uh, would be a mild uh, um, outcome, which would be walk with a walker, paralysis on one side. Uh, if you look at her right now, she's in a coma, but only one side of her is having react- reaction. Normally, you would expect both sides to, to shake a little bit, but only one side is shaking means the other side is completely, even uh, reactive uh, 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 movements aren't occurring on one side of her body. So, so I really think that the doctor said, you know, you shouldn't think like that. But uh, so what percentage is this, you know, uh, so she's, not only is she totally recovered, but after she came home, uh, with, or she came home on Thanksgiving day, after she came home, I uh, wanted to find out if 
uh, she had had and she was still you know walking slowly and and very frail so I wanted to find out if she had had any cognitive long-lasting uh, uh, problems so we, we I paid it wasn't covered by insurance but I paid to have a, a, t- a series of, of cognitive tests to see if she had had any uh, diminished r- r- capacity of thinking and, and things. And so they did the, these tests, and it was uh, uh, two days, eight hours each day, asking me questions and asking her, what was she like before? What was she like now? What was she like before? What was she like now? And, and then... Uh, then they, they analyzed that and they called us back and then they did an, an MRI and then they did another MRI. And so initially I thought, man, this is really expensive to pay for this, but I want to find out. But then after two years of them doing multiple MRIs, I said, man, it was, it was a deal. You know, I was, I was cheap. Uh, and so then they called us in and they said, uh, normally we wouldn't do this, but we found Renee so interesting that we decided to do a whole lot of other MRIs because we wrote an article for a journal in the United States uh, called NeuroCase, and we want to get your, your okay before we publish this article. I said, well, what does the article say? And so they said, well, the article says that your wife uh, is better, has a better quality of life now after the attack than she did before the attack. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what, what do you mean? And, and then he started reading back my answers to me. He said, you said that uh, before she was attacked, uh, she, she only preached once or twice a year. And after, now, two years later after the attack, she preaches about three times a week, travels around Brazil and around the world preaching in other churches. Is that true? I said, yeah, that's true. So that's like better. And, and, they, and then they said, you said that she used to be very... Con- very uh, um, concerned when visitors came over but now you guys have visitors over all the time is that true i said yeah that's true so that's better Uh, and so you said that she was uh, uh, she used to fight with you a lot and now she fights with you less and i said yeah she she fights with me less but she's getting better because she's beginning to fight with me a bit more now and and so uh uh, and so yeah I i had to throw that in so uh uh, the, the, tr- the truth is, uh, what are the chances of her getting back to normal? It's like less than 1%. What are the chances of her being better than normal at the hand of a homeless guy with a fence post? I mean, it's just you can't even calculate that. And, and Renee, Renee travels around, pre- preaches all over Brazil now. She preaches to more people than I preach. And I preach to a lot of people every, every week. I preach five times on a Sunday. We have 24 services a week and, at our campuses. And, and Renee travels around preaching to, to bigger, bigger crowds. We, we have five services. We, we have six campuses. And uh, so our campuses are all around... 300 or uh, our largest campus is 1200 but most of our campuses are smaller but Renee speaks to big crowds and uh, and and it's it's really really amazing what God has done so how do we get through these difficult times in our life the first thing is is faith let me talk to you a little bit about about faith uh, because to me faith begins with transparency faith faith is I wanted to go into that bed bedroom that went to the hospital room and and see Renee and Coma and say get up take your bed and walk 
You know, I, I, I wanted to say that. Uh, but the truth is, I did not have the faith for that. I didn't. And I, I could have faked it, but I, I, you know, people were looking. So <laughs> I, 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 I did not have the faith to say, get up, pick up your bed, let's get home. I, I didn't have, so, but I did have hope that she would, is she going to be healed? What? I, di I didn't know, but I hoped she would. Let me tell you something. There is, uh, there is power in, in being honest. Sometimes uh, what, what I've, I've heard and what I've learned is sometimes faith is not just, uh, sometimes faith requires honesty. And, and the truth is, you know, if you, if you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they got into a bad day. They were in a bad situation. And uh, if you remember the story, they were not certain they were going to be delivered. They were not certain they were going to be delivered. Uh, but they were certain that God was good. Uh, so they had faith at the, for the goodness of God. They had faith for the overall outcome. But they did not have faith for the immediate outcome. They did have hope. They did have hope. And that hope, like I said, is the environment from which faith is built. And so a lot of times when we get, through, get to a difficult time in our life, uh, we might not have faith for that exact healing. We might not have faith for that exact deliverance. We might, but we can bathe the whole situation in hope. Because hope is the, hope is the raw material from what faith is gets built. If you don't bathe the whole situation in hope, uh, if, you, if you are constantly filling the situation with negativity, that kills hope. So if you fa fill the situation with hope, uh, you can still be honest. Uh, faith is the evidence of things not seen. A lot of people want to fake faith. They want to create a, a, a situation. No, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to uh, confess that. Let me, let me just give you my take. My take is I listened to everything the doctors said because I believe the doctors had a level of truth. Now, they didn't know truth like I know truth because truth is a person. But they had a level. They could see some things. But faith isn't hiding my head from what they could see. Faith is seeing what they see, but seeing more. It's not seeing less. Faith is not seeing... Faith, the, evident, the, the definition of faith is not seeing what other people see. No, faith is seeing that, but seeing the things that other people don't see. It's seeing more, not seeing less. And so with, with our situation, I wanted to hear everything the doctor said. And I knew that there was a level of truth to that. But I knew that there was a supernatural level of truth that is much greater than what the doctors could see. Much greater. I didn't know if Renee was going to be healed. People say, oh, Philip's a man of faith. You know, I didn't know. But I, what I did know is that I hoped she would. And what I did know is I was going to fill with, faith, with hope that whole scenario. So what a, there, there's, some, uh, there's some villains of faith, things that steal faith from us, but I don't think that the villain of faith is, is trying to hide your, your head in the sand and not listen to things. I don't think, faith is a gift from God, 
uh, Ephesians 2, uh, 8, 9, and 10 says that faith is given to us by God. And so I don't believe that a report from a doctor is going to steal the faith. Faith, God gave me. God, God gives faith. Uh, but what, what, is a, a, uh, what is a villain of faith uh, is focusing on the past. If you just focus on why did this happen? Look, why does these things always happen to me? Why all that focusing on the past is the opposite of faith. Faith focuses on the future. Even if you cannot have faith saying, I'm certain she's going to be healed. But even if you can focus on the future, say, well, I hope she's going to be healed. It, it creates an environment from which faith can be, can be birthed. The other... The other uh, Theft of faith, the other villain of faith is secularism, focusing on only what a medical science can solve. That also steals faith. Faith is, no, this, this medical science is valid, but hey, uh, truth is a person, and I know him. His name is Jesus, uh, and he, he is going to pull us through this situation, even though I don't know how. I don't know how, but I'm coming close to him, and he's going to pull me through this situation. I'm, I believe, you know, some of you guys may be going through a difficult moment. The second, the second word in that verse is hope. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Uh, so what is hope? Hope is bathing the whole situation. There's an interesting story about Peter, uh, where he was, um, uh, Peter was uh, put in jail. And uh, then he was in the cell. If you remember that, that story, he was in, in the cell. And then an angel came. And then when the angel came, the chains were released from him. The doors automatically opened. It's kind of like going into a mall where the doors just, those big prison gates opened. And he just kind of walked out. And there's a in, really interesting verse there. Verse 9 says, Peter followed him, the, the angel, out of the prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He, he, that's not faith. He did not know that he was going to be released. But he hoped he was. <laughs> he hoped he was going to be released. And, and you know the end of the story? He shows up at the house. Everyone's praying. And uh, they don't even believe it's him. They don't even open the door. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, but what, what happens is they, even the people praying, didn't have a full certainty that he was going to be released. But they were bathing it with hope. They were bathing it with hope. In, when you go through a difficult time, sometimes you have a certainty you're going to be, something is going to happen. You, you can have a certainty. But a lot of times, you bathe that situation in hope. Man, even if you say, man, I, I can't be sure, but I hope, that's still a good thing. That's still a great thing because faith can be built from that. Don't get tired of hoping. Ho you know, people don't really preach on people. Everyone preaches on faith, but people don't preach on hope. Let me just tell you something. Hope is a great thing. Hope, one of the top three, hope is a great thing. Bathe everything in hope. And what is hope is, is you know, I, I, I believe that, that God is good. Uh, just bathing everything in hope. You know, when Renee was in the hospital, I wasn't sure she was going to be healed. I believed, I, I hoped that she would. And I, I confessed and I, I kept a, a, a positive attitude. What are some of the villains of, of hope? 
uh, what some of the villains of hope is, is negative people. You know, what, you yeah. cannot get around negative people because negative people are going to etch away at hope. You know, people that constantly say, well, you know, you better get ready. You know, it's it, negative people. That, that is a villain of hope. The second thing that's a villain of hope is attitudes of rejection. You know, uh, let me tell you this story. At the Dream Center, when we first opened the Dream Center, we were giving it, we've given out, uh, I think, over 200 tons of food. And one of the ladies that came to the Dream Center, she had a baby, and the baby had been through a brain surgery. And, and because Renee's been through six brain surgeries, it interested me, and I, I wanted to pray for her. And the lady said, you know, I need some, I need some uh, cans of formula. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get you those cans of formula. We had some, so we gave it to her. And then the next day, I was there at the Dream Center again, and the lady came back, and she said, I, I need some more cans of formula. I, I was thinking, you know, well, I just gave you a week's supply, and this is the next day. But, you know, I was nice. And, uh, and, and so I said, okay. And uh, uh, we didn't have any more because we gave her the... But I said, look, just wait here. We're going to send someone to buy some, and we'll, we'll give it to you. And she said, she said, okay. And when we came back, she bought one. I bought one can. And this lady said, see, this is the problem with, with churches like yours. You're, you're, you're cheap. You know, <laughs> you know, you know the, the other church down there gives me two cans. You only want to give me one can. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was just doing everything in me just to be st- still a Christian, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and she really had a need. I could see. I could see that baby had a need. And. And uh, so we went out and bought her another can. Uh, but uh, that attitude of constantly pushing, uh, of, of, of being, feeling rejected and demanding that other people reject you is, is a, depletes a hope. It depletes an atmosphere of hope around you and other people. So we, we can't have that attitude of rejection. We need to be healed of that. And the final... The final uh, 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 word is love. The greatest of, of the words is love. And what does love, what, what is love? Love to me is, is the power to have joy in every circumstance. Love is, is God's motivation. God is love. It, it's, the, it's the power to have joy. When, I, when I, I'm, I'm in love with Renee, and when she walks in the room, I smile. I, I, you know, she, wa- she walks in the room, I'm happy. Now, love is the ability to, no matter what you're going through, to maintain joy in your life, to maintain happiness. What are, what are some of the villains of, of love and of joy? Uh, sin is, is a villain. Uh, when, you, when you are in, constantly, uh, repeatedly engaging in sin, it, it depletes your passion. You know, it depletes... It depletes because you spend your passions on other things. Uh, another villain of, of, of love is an attitude of individuality. You know, what I, me, I'm the most important. And that, that depletes love because love has everything to do with other people. You, cannot, you, you're not, you don't live in love when you're focused only on yourself. And the third villain of, of love is isolation, constantly being isolated. I want to just end with a, with a story, a great, great story about a man called William Booth. 
Uh, you may have heard this story before, but it, it is such a great story. William Booth, uh, how many of you have heard of the... Okay, great. And so I'll, I'll speak to these people here if they don't. And uh, so <laughs> William Booth is the, is the person that started the Salvation Army. Now, we know the Salvation Army when we have an old couch we you know, call them up to take it away. But Salvation Army is much, much bigger than that. Salvation Army is doing great work around, around the world. Uh, and William Booth started Salvation Army. And uh, as he got older, uh, he, uh, he was called to speak at a commencement address. And, uh, and because he was pretty old, people traveled in. They thought this might be the last time he's going to speak. And so people traveled from all over to hear his message. And uh, the, the house was packed, and uh, he was on stage. He was sitting in a chair on stage. And, uh, you know, they, they got to the point where he was going to speak, and they said, now we're going to hear from William Booth, and everybody clapped. And, and so, and so he, he stood up from his chair, straightened his coat, and began walking to the platform. He was quite old. And uh, when he finally got to the platform... He, uh, he looked at everybody, and uh, he pulled out his notes, and he opened his notes, and he, uh, he looked at his notes, and he looked at, at the people, and then he said, uh, others. Then he folded his paper and put it back in his, and he walked back to his seat. He walked back to his seat, and he sat down. Similar attitude to here, because people were uncomfortable with and the short, one-worded word, and uh, they they started laughing. And, and they thought, you know, he's, 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 he's beyond his, you know, really we shouldn't have put him in this situation. And, uh, but then the Holy Spirit filled the room and people began to understand the word. The word, focus on others. A focus on others. In fact, many people from the Salvation Army, if you look, they, they carry a, a little verse that says others on it. And, and they fo- a focus on on other people. What is love? Love is a focus on other people. The reason we are not, we haven't been raptured yet. The reason we're still here, the reason we're here is because of others, because of others. And so I talked about a, uh, an anointing of evangelism. An anointing of evangelism is a love for God's people. A love uh, to, to make known his gospel. We all have that love. But there is another level that I believe the Lord wants to bring you guys to. So I want to end here and pray for you. Some of you guys are going through a difficult time. Some of you guys are going through a difficult time. And I want to pray for that. Some of you guys need healing. We want to pray for uh, Hope and, and John today. Uh, but some of you guys also may need prayer for healing, may need prayer for another area of your life, may need prayer for a distant son or, or daughter, or, 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 or prayer 
for a miracle in your life. If you need prayer for a miracle, I don't want to really single you out, but yet I do because I want to I wanna pray for any specific. So if you need prayer for a miracle in your life at this time, just quickly, just show me your hand real quick. Any, okay, yeah, okay, great, great, okay, excellent, excellent. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, some of you uh, may want to believe Maybe you, it's difficult to believe completely, but you fill it with hope. But you want to believe for a, an anointing on your life for a gift of evangelism, a, a, a calling of evangelism on your life. You, wanna, you want God to use you in a new way to reach people. What, we started reaching people when we started serving people and loving people in another way. We always gave out food. We always... Uh, in our church, but when we seriously focused on helping people, that's when we started reaching people. We weren't reaching the people we were helping. God was just bringing a ton of other people to help us help people. And so if, if you feel like uh, God, you, you want that anointing of evangelism on your life, uh, uh, I want to pray for you also. If you feel like you have you want that anointing of evangelism on your life. Our church grew from, in five years from 200 to 4,500. It's it weird. We have all kinds of stuff, and it, it, you know, we got, it, it's really great. You know, it's, it's fun what, what, what God is doing. We, this month, this month in July, uh, this coming month, we have uh, six campuses now, and we're starting four new campuses. So we're, I, I think that we're, our church has been doubling more than doubling every six months. I think our church is going to double again now with these with these four new campuses. All of our buildings are full. We have uh, four, five, we have six services in one of our campuses. The campus has twelve hundred people. Six services in that campus. We have, you know, uh, the smallest campuses have two services in in the buildings. Uh, but now we're going to start four new campuses to reach whole new part of Rio, a part of Rio that we haven't, haven't been in uh, yet. And uh, uh, God is doing great things. So if you feel like you want to, a, a, an anointing for evangelism on your life, if you want to pray for that, lift up your hands. Just that I, I you know, it's wonderful, great. So we're going to pray for that. Why don't we just stand up and uh, we, we, um, let, me, let me pray for you guys. Uh, that that the Lord would would heal right now. So let, why don't we just take a few minutes and pray for for the people that needed a miracle? So you guys raise your hands. Let's pray for you guys that need a miracle right now. So people that need a miracle right now. If you could see somebody that that with a hand raised, put put your hand on their uh, on their shoulder right now, and let's just pray for right now. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that difficult times are times of great opportunity. Father, thank you, Lord God, that you are the miracle God, that, that there, there's no power in us, but, Father, you have all the power for healing right now. We declare, Lord, healing. We
raise our hands and pray for your pastors now. Pray for hope. Yes. Yes, Lord. We declare healing right now in Jesus' name. Over Hope's body in Jesus' name. One, just, just join in faith and, and in hope. Father, that you would bathe hope right now in your healing, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for a complete healing. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for supernatural miracles in her life, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, beginning right now, Lord Jesus. Supernatural healing, Lord God, in Jesus' name. We declare over her a complete 100% healing in Jesus' name. Break the chains that, that are holding it back. We break them in Jesus' name. We declare healing over her body, Lord. In your name we pray, healing, Lord Jesus, over our body. Father, I pray for this church, Lord, that it would be a fountain of hope over that situation, Father. That every word that is spoken, that every thought that is thought, that it would bathe that, that situation in hope, Lord God. And we give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for you are a good God. You are a great, wonderful God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am encouraged to greater love and faith and hope. Thank you so much. Has this been a special time this morning? Thank you, Lord, for your awesome deeds and all that you do. Uh, Pastor John is gone this week, but he asked that we uh, receive an offering for Philip and Renee and their evangelistic work. You heard Philip say that they will be planting four new churches, four new campuses for their church. And so we'd like to receive an offering to be a part of that evangelistic thrust. And, you know, in Acts it says that we will be the Lord's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. So we get to be a part of what God is doing, not one, then the other, but across the spectrum. So we invite you, I invite you to be generous in your giving, to partner with Philip and Renee. And um, Lord, we pray that you would bless the gifts that are poured out. We pray, Lord, that you would multiply it and that many would experience new life in you as a result of it. Bless their church, bless their fellowship, raise up leaders, God. And we just rejoice that we get to be a part. Lord, Psalm 96.3 says to declare your glory among the nations, your marvelous deeds among all people. And so we pray that um, that would just happen with your life pelting through uh, Philip and Renee in their church uh, in Brazil. You can give uh, at the box. You can give online. Please, uh, you'll give to the gathering place, but designate a gift to uh, Philip and Renee Murdoch. And we thank you in advance. All tribes and tongues are going to be uh, in heaven. And I have a Brazilian friend. She knows how to have a good time. So we're going to join in on your party. All right? 
thank you guys and have a great week. Yeah. Let's finish off with a chorus and then we'll, uh, we'll dismiss. And don't forget, if you signed up for the meal packing event, it's on the other side of the building in Sunset Ridge. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good, yeah With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Yes, I will sing of the goodness God. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday.